Hello and welcome. This is uh, actually the Rojas Report. In fact, I'm going to change that. There we go. Rojas Report. And uh, I have the man of the hour, Tim McMillan, uh, joining us from Germany once again. Hello. Great to see you again. Great to see you again, too, Alejandro. It's it's a pleasure to be here. It's, it's, uh, I'm actually going to relax now. I can I'm sitting down. It's yeah, been a busy week. <laughs> Good. Yeah, take it easy. I'm sure it has been. So, and I guess what we'll start off. Of course, lots of people are really excited. Lots of questions coming in, and we'll definitely get to those. But I want to start off. You've got this new venture, the uh-huh. debrief. Um, awesome stuff. I love what you're doing there. I love all of it. You know, the defense, Thanks, the man. science, the space. Tell us how this came about. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this came about, you know, really was it was the brainchild of me and my two partners uh, who I think everybody are very well familiar with and, and, and all friends, uh, MJ Benias and Micah Hanks. And, you know, we're friends outside of here and we've been talking about this for a while. And, and you know, anybody who's seen our work before me and MJ uh, wrote for Vice for a while and Popular Mechanics. And we were at a place where we felt like, I don't say we weren't covering what we wanted to, but we weren't covering it the way we wanted to, if that makes any sense. And that's not to um, to speak poorly about any of the publications we wrote for. Uh, you know, love them and would write for them again in a heartbeat, you know, and maybe still even with this at times. Um, and an example would be like, maybe I know this kid's frustrating mm-hmm. for me too. They want a th- you to summarize your story in a thousand words. And it's like, whoa, I don't know how to do it in less than 3000. So exactly. Or there were times when I felt like, um, you know, we would report on the, the UFO topic per se that I felt was very serious. Like we were talking about legitimate information of elected leaders, uh, what's going on with intelligence committee bills. I mean, this is, this is, you know, if they were talking about uh, anything other than UFOs, this would be something that would be treated very serious, straightforward news. Yes. And we would get the we would do the work just like anybody else would if they were reporting on, you know, what's the you know, what's going on in Iran or whatever. And then we would get a silly headline and a picture of Tom DeLong, not da- bad mouthing him, but. You know what Tom DeLong has to do with the Senate Intelligence Committee? I, I don't have a clue, but it would be like Tom right. DeLong's UFOs are doing, and we were like, <sighs> and so you know, it wasn't about whether there's a stigma or what's your pre, what is your pre-existing belief of UFOs is irrelevant to me. It's hey guys, these are serious. Like your leaders talking about it, these are serious people in the community. Like, can we treat it seriously? Because if they're all crazy, well, that's a that's a a fair point the American public need to examine there. <laughs> and so we decided we wanted to do something a little different to bring that credibility. But in addition to that, we all really enjoy, and I think it spurns off of the UFO topic because when we talk about UFOs, what we're really talking about potentially is a disruptive technology that changes everything. And, um, you know, that's our big thing is covering disruptive science and technology because it's coming. You know, I think anybody who's listening or even yourself, Alejandro, you think about what life was like 20 years ago for you, 30 years ago, whatever to now. You know, I brought up when I was I can remember being a kid and being excited and, and when we went and bought a VCR and we would go to Blockbuster mm-hmm. and now those don't even exist. And so there's always our lives are always evolving through science and technology. And so where are we going to be in the next 20 years? And uh, we wanted to look at that. Can we look at it? And, and moreover, can we look at it and see what's coming and maybe try to provide 
both some insight, but then a little different ethical perspective. I think if people have seen some of the articles we've put out uh, recently, you know, the, the article I mentioned about consciousness uh, or even the drone article I did talking about the drone swarm, I don't just report on that, but I also bring in those questions that I think people need to be asking. Like, you know, if consciousness is energy, the, the potential to develop weapons is there. We need to talk about this because <laughs> before it happened, the drone swarm, uh, you know, we need to ask ourselves, you know, how comfortable are we sending 250 autonomous drones into an urban environment that, uh, like I pointed out, that technically by policy now you could give the order to kill and then deploy. And, you know, let's have these conversations because it's unfortunate that uh, we have a bad habit of only having those conversations when something bad happens. Um, and, you know, I, I write mm -hmm. on the genres as well because I have this mm -hmm. interest. And I think what yeah. gives us a unique insight um, mm -hmm. that the media is, is ignoring, and I want to talk to you more about that, mm -hmm. is that this conversation, um, UAPs, are going to be part of the science and defense conversations going forward. They already are to some degree, but I only see that increasing over time. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you have to decide, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the stuff in the recent articles, but you have to decide either this stuff is, is make-believe, the photographs are all fake. Every person who, you know, in many instances that I've interviewed who have had experiences or just are involved in this, they they have some motivation and intent that I can't seem to discern that would make them liars or there's something really going on here that, that frankly appears to be more complex than oftentimes we, we try to make it. And, and it brings up a lot of questions, uh, you know, that go with that. And, uh you know, that should kind of be more maybe responsibly or maturely examined um, because, I mean, I, you know, do we do we really want to have a UFO right now? Will we be responsible with it? You know, some people might say no. Some mm -hmm. people would look at how we've treated things um, in these other technology domains. And so uh, there's definitely there's so much. And I, and I think I'm sure we'll get into that. But but that was the thing that fascinates me in looking at the UFO topic, especially recently where we talked about underwater stuff is I find myself connecting and talking to people who are in a diverse number of scientific, academic, engineering fields. Um, and you're like, gosh, just exploring UFOs, gosh, it touches on so many other things that, that maybe people would think would be more practical. Um, and, and you learn so much more about it. And I think that that's, that's always been what fascinates me. And it's a great mystery because it's a slippery, uh, it's a slippery topic. You can't seem to pin down. Um, uh -huh. And I think that uh, first I want to point out something. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think this is really important for the viewers. Um, when you're, when, as journalists, when we're writing articles and you're using terms like if, possibly mm -hmm. um you know we're not saying these this these aren't opinion pieces that we're right. writing um these are so when we say if or possibly it's because a scientist ha or uh, or an academic or some other authority has suggested that's the case um so because sometimes you know people will say well and you know with these stories today that we'll get to tim why are you saying this why are you saying that and you're kind of like i'm not saying this i'm reporting what someone else is saying 
a really good example, and I'm sure you'll want to get into it more. But if you look at the article we put out yesterday, was was really straightforward, and I think people are like, "Holy cow!" Like, there's all this great information, and in fact, that I think for a lot of people, the takeaway is like, "Wow, there's something really crazy going on here that's that's uh, can't be debunked easily and normal." And then you look at the picture that we that put out today, and I think a lot of people, justifiably so, I and mean, we we said in the article, it kind of looks like a balloon. Um, we're not blind to that. And, and we would, we didn't suggest it wasn't, I mean, we, we asked atmospheric scientists, what do you think? And, and, and when he said it looks like a mile hour balloon, we were going to report that. Um, and, but it's all still this, like it's all coming from the same space. And, and that's the important thing is that you can't, I can't throw out the baby with the bathwater at any point in time and, and say, well, man, that one yesterday really suggested maybe we've got some underwater aliens or whatever. And this balloon isn't impressive. You know what? Forget that. Let's not talk about it. No, it, it, we do. We do have to talk about it. And I think um, that's then the responsibility. None of us want to be or aim to be, um, you know, video researcher, analyst of this stuff or, or you know, investigators who are going out in the field. There's so many people that are good at that, that do that. You know, we're just arbitrators of information and bring it out there. And I think that's the responsibility of the people who are good at that to look at that and do that. But, but, you know, all we can do is say, here it is, <laughs> you know, here's what this, this is, this is accurate. This is where it comes from. Um, and I don't, you know, I can't tell you the background behind why, whether it's a balloon or not a balloon, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into more details on that. But before we leave kind of uh, the, the topics that you all are covering at the debrief and mm -hmm. why I think it's exciting also kind of relates to this story by MJ. And, and of course you probably know I had him on last night. Um, this one study astronomer bets you a cup of coffee that we find aliens by 2036. Now that's a line that Shostak has been using for a while. Now I saw him do it live. I use a, a excerpt in, in one of my lectures of him saying that, but the point is, and this is what's really exciting about this space is the SETI guys, I think are moving closer to our space and we're more moving closer to theirs. And I think there will be connections to be made by people like us, like uh, I think the SCU or or other organizations who are willing to work with the mainstream. And I, I think that can only be good. In fact, for instance, we have, uh, we work uh, with the SCU, we work with some of the people who work on SETI. And for mm -hmm. instance, they're now looking for techno signatures. What is that? Uh, we've called it xenoarchaeology in the past, but essentially they're looking for signs of uh, intelligent civilizations being, let's say, an ancient relic that we find on the moon. They're actually looking for that kind of stuff, which is the same kind of thing we're looking for alien technology. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that Alejandro and, and I, I, I cringe to even mention this because uh, you know, there's no telling what will come out from that means it. It's but juicy. Yeah. Well, I would just say that I would be very fortunate and I didn't do anything but reach out by the way and, and be nice. But um, I, I've been, given kind of carte blanche access to NASA's techno signatures program. And so I have interviewed the program. Manager and wow. We, we will, if it wasn't for COVID, we would go down there and, and, you know, I'd go down there and visit with them and see what exactly they're doing. But that is, that is, a, that's a feature that I'm, I have coming out. That is exactly what you said. This is the hunt for alien technology. This is not a play on words. This is not clickbait. This is for the first time NASA in 30 years is funding the hunt, not just for alien life, but technology. 
Um, and it's fascinating. And, and I think you're, people are going to hear that. And they're going to be like, yes, this is it. Where are they hunting in Roswell? No, but they're looking in a different way. And, and the, yeah, I won't give the whole article away, but the program manager made such a great quote. For him, it's exciting because we're hunting smart life now, not just dumb life. And um, mm, great quote. But, but you're right. I mean, that's, you know, these things are being examined more. And, and because we, we now know that there's other planets out there. We know we always suspected it. We all know that. Um, and I, if we're the only life in the universe, yeah, that's a, I don't even know that, that to me is more scary or depressing, or I don't know what, than the idea that there's not teeming with life. Cause you got to go, Whoa, what the heck happened here? Um, yeah. That's, that's right. an anomaly. <laughs> right. Um, but you're right. There's so many other breakthroughs like that. And, and it is mainstream. Um, and yeah, so I, I won't go any more of that because God knows there's no telling what, what rumor might spread with that. But I do have a feature coming out that that I think is not. I, I will go ahead and say it is not UAP. It's not going to be NASA is hunting for UFOs or UAP in the atmosphere. Rather, they are examining the idea that there is extraterrestrial life that has technology and they're going to try to look for it. So mm -hmm. cool, so cool thing to bring up. Let's get into these articles. And I, I want to start this off. Now, um, MJ and I were pretty critical of UFO Twitter and the people online last night. And so we don't really need to get too much into that. But I thought I was a feisty one. MJ's in here picking fights. Jesus. He is feisty. <laughs> he was last night. And this is our, our office that this is the UFO uh, Congress headquarters. So you see one of mm -hmm. the executives with uh, the organization in the back um, printing some stuff out there. But uh, <laughs> uh, what I was going to get at, though, is and I think it's important to say this off the bat to clear things up with people before we get into the story. A lot of these fantastical claims about what you were going to be showing were made up by people who had no idea what you were going to write about. They only knew that you had a story coming or maybe they saw me interview James Fox, who said there's big news coming. Uh, and that's all he said. And people blew this up to this is disclosures coming, government's releasing everything, all of these things. And what's funny is now they're like, well, this wasn't, Tim's story wasn't what I thought it was going to be. That's not Tim's fault. Tim's not mm -hmm. the one who made that stuff up and made all these fantastical claims, um, just so people know that. So don't beat Tim up about it. Tim came up with this fantastic piece of information and, and great investigative work to to bring this forward and we'll get into that but just so people who are watching know you know don't this was not tim who blew this up into this big story and um what but what do you what are your thoughts about that you know how how that kind of it, it the same thing happened to the new york times article just a month or so ago um how do you feel about it well, gosh, it's a complex issue because I'm not going to sit here and badmouth anybody. And I think it would be wrong to say that, that people getting excited. And I do understand why, because I know there's a lot of people who have invested considerable amount of time in this topic. I mean, you know, done considerable research. And there's individuals who who uh, legitimately, you know, feel like they've had very personal experiences. You know, I've never had that. So it's not my place to say that that didn't happen. Um, very well can. And so it's a very personal topic for some of these people. And, and I think that it's difficult to spend a lot of your life really invested into something. And, and not even the people I want to say that are dogmatic about it. So like they're really into it. But I mean, the people who've really 
read some books, examined it, and it's frustrating because, and I'll say this with 100% sincerity, I did, you know, almost 20 years in law enforcement, and, and at times it frightens me. This may be a testament to the criminal justice system, and, and I can accept that, but I feel like I've, you know, no, I have sat there and testified on the stand and, and, and seen people convicted for crimes like murder, and they, you know, spend the rest of their life in prison for less evidence than I think would suggest that there's something to this topic. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I get the passion and people being upset of like, have you read this? Cause you see the very superficial dismissal of things, you know, it, it's, we've mm -hmm. seen it in something published today. Like I said, that's just a balloon, no aliens were done. And you're like, okay, but you just read a whole bunch of other stuff. Like we're not, but I get that. And, and I get the excitement. Um, and, and I so think a lot of people just look at the pictures and they don't read the story. Um, you know, that happens a lot. I mean, you get that, we get that. We're, there's a lot of that going on this morning where people are commenting and it's like, read the story and then, you know, it'll answer a lot of your questions. And that is why we didn't print that picture with that first article. I mean, when people are like, I noticed that yeah. Yeah, because I felt like it would have distracted. I thought there was a lot of really good information in that first article. I, I was hoping people will absorb. Uh, so we wanted to separate it a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I get the passion, and and I think for for this story, I, I tried to mitigate as much as possible. There were some people, you know, that I, I gave statements like, "Hey, if somebody put a nice little graphic together, good for them." Um, engaging the phenomena on Twitter, saying, "Hey guys, I am working on a story. I intend to publish it this day. I don't know if I'm working on quote the story <laughs> that everybody's excited about, James Fox. I mean, I still don't know, um, and, and was very." candid and saying, I don't know how significant it is yet. It's not done. And that's the truth. You know, there were still more interviews. There were still things. There were still more, you know, pieces of evidence that maybe we wish we could have published that if we could have got a hold of, but it just takes a life of its own. And I think, um, but no one should be mad at anybody. And I've had this discussion. I'll just go ahead and name names because I know uh, my own fault for getting mad at, about Bob McGuire. And, and I think that that was probably uncalled for on my part. Yeah, I've, I've said it because for me, you put in so much of this stuff and I, and I don't even expect anybody to understand. I, I really don't, but you put so much into this stuff and, and you do so many things and you, you're inherently talking to people who work in places and deal with things where they don't talk to anybody. And so you, you, there's just, you know, the article itself has worked on for eight or nine months, the relationships that are guarded there, to have trust go back years before I ever reported on a UFO. And so you look at that and then that particular case, and I have no problem now that it's all out in the open. And I talked to Bob after that, my upset with him was never about the story, <laughs> like scooping or anything. It was that unknown to him. And, and you saw, if anybody read the first story, Hey Bob, there's some classified information that's being discussed here. You know, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to see you put yourself in any position that you are, you know, this is not a joke. And I, and I mean this in the, in the best way possible is that I see a lot of times in UFO world, you have like real classified information and you have like secrets that are, they're not classified. They're just secrets and they get confused, but kind of like ATIP was, I mean, ATIP was a secret. It wasn't classified. Well, or like you, you've seen the, the, the release of that SNIE, uh, you know, a few months ago that people debate mm -hmm. whether it's real. And it's like, well, it's highly classified. And you're it's like, not. Well, <laughs> if it was, people would go to jail, guys. Like, this right. is the thing. It's like, you've got to 
you know, so I've got, I have a legal obligation, a moral obligation to protect my own sources. And then in addition, which Bob is not one, nor is anybody he talked to, but I'm looking at him going, hey, man, be careful, because I'm going to publish some stuff responsibly that came out of classified systems. And I don't want to see you get in trouble. I don't want to see. So we, you know, just be careful there and don't assume that there's going to be some photo re re officially released by the government. So it's cool. I can talk about it. And, and mm -hmm. that was my biggest concerns. Yeah. I would hate to see anybody get in trouble for something that, you know, yeah, was unnecessary. And I want to let people know Bob McGuire is a scientist who has done some work, uh, you know, kind of like Eric Davis or help put mm -hmm. up in, in uh, on classified uh, programs. He's retired now. And he did mm -hmm. speak to this this morning. He did say that, you know, he retired in May. And so he doesn't work on any classified programs anymore. Um, and he did say that, you know, he had been showing that um, off the, you know, not in a sense that it was classified. So he didn't believe it to be um, when he spoke to that. So he said, you know, I was thinking about that uh and uh, uh, but, you know, uh, somebody else had another question and uh, trying to mitigate some of these issues. Um, and I uh, had answered this question from my perspective previously. Mm -hmm. But Matt is saying, um, why not stay totally silent on the article until it drops and speaks for itself? And I'll note, no news organization in the world does that. But um, sure. Fair point, because there was some convoluted, you know, people, things got convoluted because the initial kind of teasing out was was the launch of the debrief, which we always wanted to do because we, we had a new site. I mean, you know how that goes. We wanted to get some attention, just happened to coincide with this other article coming out. Um, and, and I take responsibility for that. That's where it's I don't think it's a problem, though. I don't think there's a that's how you get the news out that you've got a website coming or that's how you get the news out that you have that people should pay attention because you have mm -hmm. an interesting article coming out. It's fair. Everybody does it. How, you know, long before, let's say an interview with the president, um, mm -hmm. do we have advertisements for that, you know, before sure. it, it releases it, it's standard practice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. And, and I think it, um, and that's, you know, I guess one of the parts there is that, uh, you know, I always tell people I try to stay really kind of segmented from the quote UFO community. That's not because I don't respect people that are in it. It's not because I think that the topic is silly. Clearly not. Um, it's that I think I may try to maintain that distance for good reason, because it, it helps me in what I do, because we're, we're, we're communal animals. And, you know, like when you're in the community, you want to make the community happy. And so sometimes you realize uh, you know, it's easy to go, well, I'm not going to report on that because that's not going to make people happy. Or maybe I'm going to you know, pump that up a little bit. And so it's important and that can be implicit. And so it's important to stay out of that. And, and I have this downfall that I truly believe that none of this information belongs to me. None of this information belongs to anybody. It's public information. And so I have to realize that, uh, you know, when it comes to UFO community, trying to walk that fine line of, wanting to share information and i don't like holding secret from anybody even though i know like hey the article's in the work i want to tell people but yet realize that sometimes it can take a life of its own and um that can hurt things and so i think it's yeah as people said that the the the, the article today of the picture 
came totally out of the blue on purpose. Still crashed our computer. Uh, you know, our network. Great job on that. Yeah, you didn't, <laughs> you know, I even was, you know, uh, I didn't push him too far, but I, we were even asking MJ about the photos and uh, he did not give up anything. He did a great job uh, at not <laughs> the giving up. But, uh, you know, uh, one last question before we get into the article, especially now that we're on the media and everybody's asking about that. It does seem, and, and I have a feeling, you know, um, that you, some of the TTSI guys feel similarly that this topic has not gotten as much press as expected. So, for instance, you were talking about how you were examining and writing like a mainstream media should and would normally on any other topic. Um, but somehow, cause I feel like I do the same, like with my Chris Mellon article and my latest ones that that's something the others should be doing, but aren't, are you kind of surprised that uh, the media hasn't picked up some of this a little more? You would think that, you know, there's been very little even about the Senate intelligence committee, you know, tackling this issue. Well, sure. And uh, although, you know, I will say that the Daily Caller followed up our, our article and called me Tim McMillian. So I was happy with that. You know, maybe Ooh. I should own it like a rap name, you know, like a suit. Yeah. And, you know, I can wear a, a big millionaire cool. jacket. Yeah. Are you um, Tim McBillion, though? Because that's yeah, kind of cooler. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. Billions. Yeah. God. Millions. Uh, everybody's got a million dollars these days, but uh, a billion. Uh, right. I need to get up with inflation. Um. <laughs> You know, it's it's a difficult topic in the mainstream media. And I'll be honest with you. So this comes from reporting on it just in Popular Mechanics or, or Vice and, and having friends who report on it in other mainstream media outlets. Um, it's a difficult topic because, first of all, the information is kind of a wilderness of mirrors. And so if you're going to like... When what I do, where you're reporting on stuff that's out of the national security world and the the UAP task force, all of this stuff is uber classified and everything. Mm -hmm. And so we see plenty of national security reporters that dig into, you know, other other issues, you know, like the assassination of uh, the nuclear chief in Iran. And so you see them doing that kind of stuff. But when it comes to this topic, I don't think that uh, people see it yet as something that's significant um, in that same sense. I'm very fortunate because, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I first started looking into this, having you know, a good longtime family friend who, who worked in this, you know, in the intelligence world, just say, hey, man, this is a big story. And just say, like, this is something serious. And just, you know, kind of leave it at that. And I was like, hmm, OK. You know, and, and so that's kind of where I learned in this journey. And, and I think hopefully it will continue. It'll one day prove that. It is a big story, but I don't know that everybody else has accepted it. And it's still, it seems, you know, silly isn't the right word, but you know, it, it, it doesn't, they don't think it's going to generate the attention that they want because right now it's about, you know, doom and gloom, either, you know, what's going on with the pandemic or the political climate and everything, because that gets people all excited and heated. And, um, you know, I think if they thought the aliens were coming, that it really was aliens that were coming here to kill us, we'd probably get more mainstream attention because they'd be out there on the street. What do you think about yeah. dying from the aliens? Um, mm. But it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a, it is a, it is a, 
complex thing that even as I've gone through this and talking to people, it's weird to walk away at the end of the day and feel like you've talked to some very informed people, you know, who are working inside it and still walk away going, I don't know. I don't know because they don't, they don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's the big part that the, in the enigma, which is really hard for anybody to deal with. Um, But so getting to the article, um, Mm -hmm. the big one from yesterday, uh, Mm -hmm. and then we'll get to um, today's in a little bit here, but here's the Mm -hmm. article. I posted the links earlier and I will post them in the show notes. uh, If you're watching this on replay, but uh, the the debrief.org, right. Is where people can go to look at this stuff. Uh, fast movers and transmedia vehicles, uh, we'll get into that, the Pentagon transmedium, the Pentagon's unidentified aerial phenomena task force. Now, essentially, um, I'll let you pick up on this, but to, to just kind of set the basis, uh, what you were able to discover is that the UAP task force actually has written a couple of reports, and these mm-hmm. reports are exciting, although they've kind of um you know haven't given us much clue as to what their thought process is on all of this these reports have apparently have really excited the intelligence community or at least made them think because they are compelling and it shows that they really do feel like the uap phenomena is something real not ours not theirs who knows what they are and in particular the in these reports there were a couple of photos one of a cube from 2018 one of a triangle from 2019 both taken from the cockpits of jet fighters um, during these encounters and that these have gone viral in the intelligence community um, and people are really excited about it. and you've got a brigadier general on record saying hey these uh, I don't we don't know what they are but they're not ours uh, and we don't think they're anybody else's either Yes. No, I, yeah, this is kind of the accumulation. And, you know, this article, I would say, is kind of a continuation of the, the one I did in February, which, which was with Popular Mechanics, which was mostly just ATIP, all SAP. You know, this was kind of laying the fact. So now we're moving into the recent history. But, uh, you know, how I write an article like this. So a feature is I try to take people, you know, hopefully I'm successful in taking people on kind of the same journey that I have gone is in in working this and you know it started with me receiving a foia request uh response uh with the emails from the the vice joint chiefs of staff um you know the vice chief of the navy telling the vice chief of the air force hey i recommend you take this ua i mean spelling it out unidentified aerial phenomena briefing uap uh from matt kohler who was the director of uh intelligence for the navy and, and saying, hey, the Secretary of the Navy is getting it tomorrow. Uh, I looked at that. I mean, we're talking about the the highest of the highest, it, you know, the Joint Chiefs being the real highest and, and then the Secretary of Defense. But people have to understand in a big organization like that, we're talking about the people who are actually your chief operating officers, your people who are really making the calls. Um, and you see them being briefed and not only being briefed, but saying, hey, you need to be briefed on this. I was like, this is compelling. You know, this right. is, and, and this is before they've uh, officially, the undersecretary has signed off on this. So you remember they didn't announce the task force until this year, but a year prior, clearly they're given briefings, which means that there's evidence that was even, uh, you know, unreported by me or that's guarded that warranted this. And so when I saw this, uh, you know, 
I'm thinking this is not, you don't bother these people if you've got some BS, <laughs> you know, if you're just silliness and they don't recommend it. I mean, this is just you know, many moons ago. My uncle was a staffer on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And these these are people you don't, you know, <laughs> you don't shake hands with and stuff because they're like, get away from me, you, you, you know, because <laughs> they're that high up. Very nice people. I don't mean it like that. I just mean it's, this is the highest of high. These are the people who make the decisions that the, affect the national security and defense and military uh, in when you're talking about the United States, the world, because it's a, it's a global superpower. And so when you see that, I'm going, wow, what is going on here? And, and, and so I, I have never done anything but try to do things the right way. And I reached out to public affairs and said, hey, you guys officially released this to me. Uh, this shows the Joint Chiefs. You know, I think we're at a point here where um, there's enough activity. We have the intelligence. Uh, we have the intelligence report that's um, or the request and the intelligence to act provision. It's already been officially acknowledged this task force exists. And now we know that this is going on. I think it's time that the people are informed a little more. And I don't say that because I feel entitled to it, but rather that's how the system's supposed to work. I mean, that's how the, the, you know, the American you know, the government operates on the informed consent of the public. That's the way it's supposed to work constitutionally. And how can we make an accurate, uh, informed consent and decision if we aren't informed? And so my whole thing was, I don't need to know that how, uh, you know, China tried to hack into our computers and how you detected it. I understand that that's stuff. I don't need to know that, but still know that China could be a threat to hack into our computers. That's a real threat. And I think that, uh, you know, the American people deserve the same thing when it comes to this, because it seems to be serious. And and that was just shot down. And so um, then it forces into this weird place. And, and you know, Alejandro, I mean, you, you've been reporting and been in journalism a long time that our job then is we have this weird role where I respect that the people who are trying to maintain secrecy, but yet the reporters who are trying to uncover it, we are both upholding the constitution. <laughs> you know, we're both actually doing our jobs. It's to get an informed consent. And so I, I started reaching out to people and, and it just struck at the right time when I spoke to people who, you know, very, very important here. Cause you know, I'm not going to talk about sources and who and what I feel like we tried our hardest to give as much information down to saying that they, everyone we spoke with worked for the office of the director of national intelligence. I mean, that kind of narrows it down, but absolutely no one we spoke with uh, is someone that I would consider quote out of the UFO world, meaning uh, and I like and respect these people, but like Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo, I spoke to Lou after we were done. So, because I, I noticed Chris, I haven't even spoken to Chris. I noticed he retweeted it yesterday, which I really appreciate. But this was as shocked to him as it was everybody else. Not, I respect them, but you know, I know what their opinions are on the topic, and I know that they've already been exposed to stuff and believe it. I want to hear the other people too. I, I want to make sure that we're trying to get as objective and unbiased information. And so, when I started reaching out to people, and it happened at a good time when this second memo had come out. Um, that everybody was like, holy cow, you really got, I mean, yes, I know what you're talking about. And, and um, people were willing to talk just enough to say, and, and I truly interpreted every conversation I had is people were very, very interested at what they were reading in these reports. 
And having, you know, a little bit of understanding of the type of reports, you realize these are reports. This is not like, you know, Billy at the office types an email and sends it out. These are things that are very formal. They go through numerous chains of command and have to be approved before they go out because you're disseminating it into the community saying this is a legitimate intelligence concern or intelligence topic. And we're sending it out here because we want you to be on the lookout to assist in other analyst matters because you may come across inter information in your duties that doesn't pertain to this, but we want to know about it. And here's what our position is right now on this information. And so, it, you know, it goes out to the analyst who's you know, their job is signals intelligence. They're listening to possible terrorists in, in a foreign country, but now they know about it. And so if they hear, you know, those terrorists saying, oh my God, look at that triangle over the sky. Suddenly you go, oh, wait a minute, I need to write that down. You know, that's the reason these things go out is to inform the communities uh, that are working on it. So very formal. And so when I saw that, I went, wow. So this is, this is very much, and, you know, I didn't explicitly state this in the article, but when you see, when you see an intelligence report that go out as wide distribute, as widely distributed as that one was, um, including, and I think it got picked up really quick, because hats off to some, some savvy people in the UFO world that, um, you know, I kind of specifically mentioned some of the systems it was shared on, but the NSA net is, it's a system that's an intranet that the five eyes. So our, our allies at Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and the UK are, are tuned in. They clued in real quick. Ooh, if it was on that system, they got it too. Well, yeah, they did. So I, we got some great Australian researchers, some great, hey guys, do some digging because your countries have at least gotten this much. Um, Which means tell. they've got the two reports um, mm -hmm. and the two photos and the uh, which is this is a really important part that we we still have lacking, um, even from your great stories uh, is. And you would know better, I would assume that these reports include why they came to the conclusion um, that these are unidentified. The, the, the reports that the you know, what few details were discussed with me and everything um, would would contain some of that, but the level of classification for that kind of distribution um, wouldn't contain, and I, and I mentioned that in the article, they're not going to contain the nitty gritty. And, and it just mm. kind of hinted that letting people know these wouldn't be what's considered top secret or, uh, you know, SAP or compartmentalized information. Yet I'm certain that those types of memos have indeed been prepared and are more narrowly, you know, distributed. But gotcha. yeah, like what's in that information? Absolutely. And I, and I did hint at that because I did ask somebody, you know, because the pictures, everybody talking about the pictures. And I said, look, man, please tell me they got more than pictures. Because if not, you know, I got some UFO books I can hand them. You know, the, the, the community's kind of been inundated with pictures and they, they very markedly said, no, no, no. The best stuff we have is mason measurement and signals intelligence. And, and so... That was really compelling, especially when you're talking about water stuff. Um, so, yes, See, I mean, that's great because that's what we're <laughs> looking for at like SCU. You know, that's what the mm -hmm. scientists need. They need that Mazin, you know, actual. Mm -hmm. That's the data, not just photos. In fact, photos give you less data than a lot of mm -hmm. other. Um, that's the sort of stuff you can really do some science with. Right. Yes. I mean, that's the nitty gritty. So that's that's 
what's underneath the hood, if you will. And, and I don't have that information. And, and frankly, because the systems that will record all of that aren't designed for UFOs. They're designed for national defense and security things. And so, you know, I respect the fact that nobody's going to tell me, especially when it got underwater. And I, I expressed that that tone in my article saying it's bittersweet now because if the best intel they have is underwater, the idea that we're going to get a you know huge comprehensive data from there is really unlikely because that's just an uber. You know, I tell you, we can point to the B-21 Raider. We can point to the RQ-180. These, these are classified air systems we know exist. In fact, I think they snapped a picture of it inadvertently recently a couple of weeks ago. But as far as we know, the subs are what, 1980s, you know, 1990, you know, yeah. they have new stuff. It, yeah. It's just uber classified. And so, yeah, I want to get more into that because that's a mm -hmm. really other, and this article, the other really important aspect, I think. Um, but uh, before we move off, I want to say that, you know, you had a lot of anonymous sources in your article but since then uh, and i think it's great that you didn't use chris mellon or louise elizondo as sources mm -hmm. because you know um that lends more credibility to your article but since your article has come out the washington examiner tom rogan uh he has he did his own vetting of your information mm -hmm. and has mm -hmm. confirmed the accuracy also um politico reached out to Luis Elizondo and just posted this morning a comment from him. He said, two reports went viral. They included photographs, high res. It made it through the IC. It rattled a lot of cages. It led to a lot of folks to say, we need to take this seriously. So here is um, Luis Elizondo also confirming uh, your reporting. So we do have independent confirmation beyond just your anonymous sources at this point now. Sure. Yeah, no. I, and I, I feel like any defense editor, you know, worth their salt would be able to. And that, that's because of the wide distribution. I mean, now that I put it out there, um, I think that anybody, if they have any sources in any of, the, any of the intelligence agencies enough that they could call and say, hey, have you read this? Does this seem legit? I, I'm 100% confident that they would hear, yeah, it's legit. So I think anybody can vet it. And, and um, you know, that's, it's kind of like I touched on it. You have to make a decision when you're working in that space um, to either not report on national security or classified matters responsibly um, or do it in a way that you, you, you just accept that you're going to have to, you're going to have to take the anonymity. You're going to, but you, we do, we did everything we could to make sure we vetted everybody. And I mean, that, every single standard to the point of ridiculousness and um, you know, to, to outside editors to everything to, to vet and say, this is everything where we're, we're comfortable and happy with it. Um, and you know, the only thing, the only thing that I have heard thus far that was inaccurate in the article, and we, we have to make a correction. This is a, this is breaking news here. And it's, I would just say it's not our fault is that, uh, the dates on the uh, the meetings that Hal Putoff said he was in, um, he was incorrect there. <laughs> Evidently, there was a different set of meetings in October that he attended, um, and and uh, somebody brought it to our attention. But but even then, like that, we directly quoted what Doctor Putoff said. 
he just was incorrect because those particular meetings were were attended by Dr. Davis. And so, um, you know, no harm, no foul. But that's the only thing thus far that we have heard. <laughs> um, and I feel confident about everything else. And even in, in that instance, I, you know, we, we said what Dr. Putoff said. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and before we move to the photos, we haven't even talked about the photos yet really mm -hmm. uh, in that much detail. But John Lindy makes a point, And this is why your story is big news. Like I had a hard time kind of explaining, is it big news or not? Of course it is. It's a great news. Um, but it's not a, a, you know, aliens, the Roswell aliens in a hangar type of thing, which I know a lot of the UFO community was looking for. So I was kind of like, some of you might not find it exciting, but I do. I know James Foxwood does. You do, obviously. So this news is big news. And James Lindy kind of said just now in, in the quotes, you know, the, this is the big news is that now we know how seriously these people and how high up, you know, this information is gotten. That's the big news that they're really taking it seriously. And they have cases out there more that include photos and other Mazent that uh, support that there really is something anomalous going on here. Absolutely. And, and I, I didn't include it in this article. There's there's another one. We'll, no, shit. Let me shut up. Um, we may mention it else a little more, you know, not in to get any specifics. But one of the things I was really struck by is when I spoke to people who, you know, again, they're not in the quote task force. They're not, you know, they're in the community, but on the peripheral. So their job is not airborne intelligence per se, but they're familiar with some dynamics that are being used, I believe. Um is how they spoke about the leadership of the task force. And so mm. I, I dropped those quotes because it's still, um, you know, anonymous sourced. But I mean, just, you know, they, they wanted to make sure that it was expressed like, you know, leadership of the task force has been consistent. It is stable. It is level headed. And, you know, one person directly said to me, you know, this is the, the type of leadership in place right now is the type of people I would want on any intelligence matter. I don't care what it is. You wow. know, if it was who's going to stop the next 9-11 at a very high level. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it is not shoveled off to the back office. It is not, um, you know, Lou having to beg, borrow and steal uh, because he's having to bootstrap this portfolio. And um, I'm very impressed by that. You know, and I, I was very impressed. I mean, it sounds crazy about how hard it was to get information and how how responsibly people treated it. They everybody treated it like if you know, like they were like, "Look, you know, very I'm willing, right? I'm willing to say that there's some honor water stuff, but I'm not going past that." Um, nothing, you know. I think there's a lot of people out there in the intel world, uh, in the defense world, who maybe. Up until the last year or two years, were like a lot of people like, yeah, psh, UFOs. Now they're going, wow, because they may be privy all that data and everything. And so it's 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 it's, by it's all a intent, new world, legit, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, you, and you confirmed, of course, a lot of what Elizondo has been saying, including, you know, Elizondo said when he left um, the ATIP that retired from the DOD, that someone else took over ATIP. And he told me kind of the rank, but a, a very high level person. Um, 
And not only that, you know, he's been telling us that, you know, I was working with other agencies. I wasn't, mm -hmm. like you said, just all by myself. Um, yes. And that's been confirmed that you were able to confirm that as well. And um, so uh, it, it's a big deal. It's a, yeah. And it's tough because you saw me where I said it, where I said that I have, and it's true. I have reached out to uh, Susan Goff and the Pentagon and said, Hey, you know, I tracked these people down and it took some work and I've talked to them and we're talking about senior people, um, you know, senior white house advisor and great people, you know, they're saying, and, and I appreciate them talking to me, not willing to go on the record because they, you know, and it's not have to do with the UFO topic. That's what's so maddening. And you want to strangle them. It's yeah. because of all the stupid politics that goes on in our government where they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, some people maybe didn't like Lou or some people were on this partisan team and that partisan team. And I just don't want to cause any frictions in my current mm -hmm. personal life. But they confirm all of this stuff. And again, they're totally, you know, I think in every single instance, uh, you know, I would later say you know, ask for a follow-up from, from Lou Elizondo and say, Hey, I spoke to so-and-so and they told me, and he'd always be like, what? So it wasn't like there was anything, you know, they never got handed off, but it is tough. You, you see that and you go, man, yeah, there's a lot more that went on behind the scenes and there was a lot more people involved. And I, and I was willing to go as far as name those, you know, a couple specific agencies, a defense intelligence agency and one that I hope, people picked up on uh, the National Reconnaissance Office, because I will tell you, the NRO is very involved with this, <laughs> whether people realize it or not. And um, very much. It, it wasn't, uh, we, we, we just had too much. And so it moved it out of edits, but down to the point of expressing to people, everything's going to the UAP task force now, including because I had an official inquiry in with the NRO for their files and they said hey thanks for sending that to us we've got to send it to o and i and so it was very impressive to see that you know like everything is funneling into them um and hopefully that that will maybe to see that in period i just just in my experience in government that's that's mind-boggling enough <laughs> you know here's a question someone has i mm -hmm. think it's a great question zignal has it um do you think the pentagon doesn't actually mind this being out there i mean it would seem mm -hmm. since susan goff keeps repeating over and over again we're not sharing anything about anything regarding the uap task force i wouldn't imagine they're very happy about this out there it doesn't seem they're happy about elizondo's um um illuminations well, the, the, yeah, I mean, there's separate entities here. So always remember that you've got the public affairs office, but the public affairs office isn't attached to the task force per se. They're not attached to the NRA, you know. Um, right. And so do I think the public affairs office is thrilled? Oh, God, no, because this is, <laughs> started a bunch of stuff. And um, and you saw me in that article where I, I said, you know, after they wouldn't tell you anything, I said, well, here's the DOD policy. What is your what is your posture? It's required by policy. Just tell me active, passive, whatever. And they were like, mm, no. And so it's like, but that was a, that was a hint. I will say that I didn't spell out and saying they don't have a posture right now. They don't have an official public mm. affairs guide. They have a holding statement. That's why Susan Goff keeps giving the same one over and over. Um, in terms of, do I think that the people in the task force are actually doing the work, or the people inside the community doing the work? 
are pleased to see it get out? I would say yes. Not not like it's, you know, I get people going, ah, ha, ha, this is an intentional leak. Or, uh, you know, I hear, oh, Tim is the vessel for disclosure now. No, no, no. <laughs> it's that, uh, you know, you don't have this widespread distribution, period, if you don't realize that you want people to know that it's real. You don't work in government long enough to realize you can't break the law. You can't break your security oaths. You can't do all of this stuff, but you do need the public support and consent. That's where legislation comes in. I don't think, I mean, I, I heard a lot of very positive things from people after this was reported on the inside. Some that surprised me a lot. You know, it was surprising to me. Um, I don't know because I hadn't spoken to them, but to hear that, that there there are some political leaders. They got it. You know, there are people that in high positions that took a look at it. Um, you know, hopefully they mean they were like, let's go get this guy. Hopefully it wasn't the men in black and their black fan, but, uh, behind you. I, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, yeah. doc. Um, I think that, um, I, I think that the, you know, the, I'm sure because of the taboo sense of the topic, anybody that's working on it, I think can hopefully appreciate it. I, I hope that I hope that I walk that fine line of responsibly reporting it as accurately, objectively as humanly possible um, and being unbiased. And I hope that they, um, you know, appreciate that. But, uh, you know, I certainly I don't. So I don't think the FBI is going to come kicking down my door. Um, but, uh, I think I had a prop for a joke. No, yeah. nobody minds at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, um but no, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's a tough one to answer. Cause you always go, well, no, I, I actually don't. I, I think people were happy to get it out there that the work that they're doing is legitimate and they couldn't do that. But at the same time, I'm always cautious to say that because there's there's literally probably a Reddit thread starting right now saying, aha, Tim McMillan's the CIA secret agent. And you're like, fuck, if they only knew how much work goes into it. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's get to, I guess, the images. Um, and the other aspect I think that was really important about this article, mm -hmm. uh, this story, um, is related to one of the photos, which allegedly is, you know, it's represented here. This is an artistic impression. Uh, obviously, someone who's familiar with, with the image, they saw this classic triangle with the lights in the corner coming out of the water um, when they caught this picture and the transmedium nature is really interesting at SAU. I mentioned this last night. Uh, we define UAP as um, unidentified aerospace phenomena to include the transmedium because uh, obviously that's a big factor here. And that's what's interesting here is that the Navy is really obviously it makes sense, but the Navy is really into and seems to have these quite a few cases of these objects coming out of the water. Yes, for me, this was the most fascinating thing of this whole report. It wasn't the picture. And I know everybody's like, give me the picture. Give me the picture. I, I don't have the picture to give you. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a that's a Rojas report exclusive. I don't. So, so even though I snuck a picture out today, I don't have the picture. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway from this was that water aspect. And, and I got to tell you, I plan on working on, um, you know, a primer on this USO and transmedium topic because it's fascinating. Cause when you, the literature out there, it, 
is out there, but it, the, the depth of it in terms of some of the other things have been reported, I think, uh, you know, it, it's not as easily accessible. And so you suddenly realize that, holy cow, um, you know, it was a frightening quote, and I, I didn't include it, but a, a good interview that I had with a, an astronomer, or excuse, uh, yeah, a, excuse me, a marine biologist, when they s correctly pointed out, you know, we know more about the planets in our solar system mapping wise the contours of it then we know about then we know of about 70 or 80 percent of our ocean and you're going oh my god you know it seems so much safer when they were coming from out there if it's something yeah. else like they're coming from here um it just brought up this fascinating idea because you look at it and say if they're looking there well one thing we can know is the environment is so much more sterile and pure you don't have to worry about billy bob flying his drone <laughs> down deep in the ocean you're looking at some of the most sophisticated underwater reconnaissance systems around and you know that was it was stressed to me uh, repeatedly uh and, and i used part of the quote that i got there when i mentioned that somebody who has an extensive background in this particular area of underwater reconnaissance had said yeah no we we have we have uh recorded super fast uh you know non-cavitational uh, moving objects in the ocean from times um but they expressed it you know explicitly that it's very clear that they say they're not defying physics but we don't know how they're doing it meaning we don't have the capability but they were really clear right. to say it's not fantasy you know what they're doing isn't fantasy but we don't know how to do it with a current technologies and fuel and energy. So that's where it becomes compelling. But it, it really, uh, and, and I just, you know, I, I'll tell you there was, there was about 4,000 words in that article that we pulled out because we were like, gosh, we got to do our separate USO feature because it was so much USO information that we were able to pick up that didn't just pertain to these reports, but there was new information that hasn't come out. And, and you look at these connections and it, it's I encourage the people who are really good at researching this, because please, by all means, reach out to me or just put that information out, period. Um, you, you know, anybody that's seen my work, I always cite everybody and I look at everybody's stuff. But if you start examining some really interesting connections to where you have USO sightings that coincide with UFO sightings, whether it's in similar location and time frame, sometimes that makes you go, gosh. Where did it come from? You know, did the chicken come first? You know, was it the chicken or the edge? Did, did it come from yeah. the air and go in the water or the water or the air? Um, yeah. That is Karen actually has an interesting story where she was on a, a cruise and she asked one of the staff if they've ever seen anything. And, and one of them did say that they saw an object come out of the water. But uh, a lot of people are asking about sonar. And you covered this in your article. In fact, you even mentioned uh, Mark D'Antonio, our buddy, uh, mm -hmm. who had his own experience. And, and, and the, one of the people you said, you questioned said, well, I'm skeptical about a civilian being on, on there to witness this. But this happens all the time that they do catch these fast movers um mm -hmm. uh you know on sonar under the water and and, and he he wasn't in that article he'll, he'll be in our uso article but i spoke to mark d'antonio i interviewed whose him. article was he in it was he in rogan's maybe oh uh, no i mean he was in another one but but no oh, okay. no i did no, no i did cite his example because oh, okay. uh, he yeah he was in uh tyler rogaway had covered it but mm, but i i right but i 
I interviewed uh, Mark D'Antonio beforehand to hear his account firsthand and everything. And yeah, I mentioned that it, some of the Submariners from Rogaway's uh, article were kind of dismissive uh, that he, the ride along after talking to Mark and ex he explaining like how that came about. And I know where he was. I'm like, no, no, I don't disbelieve that. And, and the thing is, is I think if you anybody in the defense world, especially the defense journalist world, realizes that media embeds, even though he wasn't media, but the work that he does in sub modeling, yeah, there's a policy for that. You know, you can go. Right. They'll, they'll Brian take Bender, <laughs> he yeah. says, you know, they even took him and he spent, I think he said it was a few weeks or something. They were like, hey, come visit and get to know what we do better. And he was embedded with the Navy for a while. So, yeah, it does happen. And, and at that time, D'Antonio was a contractor. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So doing sub stuff. But no, they'll, they'll load you up at a tank in a war zone. I mean, there's a process for that. I, I get I just got the alert about every couple months when they try to try the, the Gitmo trials where you can sign up as a media journalist to go to Gitmo, you know? So no, I mean, that's part of the transparency. So I think that idea of being dismissive that he could have been on it is wrong, but it was corroborated by this idea by all of them. And I think that's the big takeaway. And, and Mark right, was right. pointed to that. He's like, don't believe me, but that fast movers that, you know, those objects moving at extreme speeds that wouldn't be consistent with anything other than a, a torpedo, um, except for that's in short distances, it's happening. And so what the heck is it? Uh, very, very fascinating. I mean, this is a whole mm -hmm. new world. And, um, I, you know, I spoke to Steven Zangargo with the, you know, he, he's the UAV expert since the 90s. So, I mean, this is a guy who's been dealing with unmanned aerial vehicles since we didn't even know they existed and, and helps publish the annual forecast every year. You know, very clear. And I, when I asked him, you know anything about transmedium, you know, that could go in and out of the water? And, and his response was direct. He's like, I have no idea whatsoever. He's like, there's nothing, you know, there is stuff that people want to develop. And I, I think I've seen Nick West. I've seen some people like, oh, well, look at here. We've got this little spider drone that you can shoot out of a tube. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And they want to develop it. But that's a huge difference between something that's as big as a fighter jet coming out of the Atlantic Ocean. Right, exactly. But I will say, I mean, it's just going on the theoretical side here, which is something I rarely do. If you can master you know, non-cavitational uh, travel in water, well, the air would seem pretty simple. Um, but I, one thing that I did not hear, but it was brought up by many of my science buddies after the article came out, and they said, hey, have you had any, are there any reports of like uh, going, you know, terrain moving as in if you can move underwater at high speeds can you move through a mountain you know like where's the cutoff and in, in mass density that you're able to pass through and i'm like man i, I already got enough for doing uso yeah. subterranean objects <laughs> although besides i guess buckaroo bonsai i think they did that <laughs> in that Trevor. movie but uh but yeah as I, you don't see really that uh i as far as reports go but you the water uh even Steve Greenstreet was in here. He he mentioned, you know, a lot of famous sightings are around water. Of course, I'm in Phoenix right now. The Phoenix Lights, there's no water around here. Even the rivers are dry, but uh, we're in the desert. But um, moving on, and I think that uh, you brought up something that's really important when it comes to uh, the nature of the objects and, and people like Mick West um, and their comments about there could be this or there could be that. 
what the, I think a lot of people miss is what you're reporting, uh, what we've all been reporting on, and the New York Times reported on, was what the Navy is telling us. So the Navy has come to the conclusion that the Nimitz incident, these two incidents with the photos, are unidentified. They can't explain them. Mm -hmm. The data they have leads mm -hmm. them to believe those aren't ours, nor are they Chinese or Russians. We don't know what data they have. We have not seen their analysis, but they're the ones telling us, and that's very compelling that they would do so. And I think that's what people have to keep in mind, especially as we move on to this next article, which is what you released today, where you released one of these photos. And like we talked about, there were two photos. Uh, one is a triangle. And although this looks triangular, uh, this is actually the other one, the cube. Right. And from what I understand, this was in 2018, um, an incident where this thing didn't move, and they do claim it's unidentified. Um, however, um, and you can correct me if this is wrong, the uh, triangular photo and situation, uh, people seem to find more compelling than this one. Yes, correct. That is correct. Um, yes, this this the object that we published today was the it was photographed in 2018. Um, and, uh, you know, whether you believe it's a balloon or not, I just want to point out that that's a new incident off the East Coast. Uh, the separate one that was the most compelling, which was released in an intelligence report that was published in uh, late summer of 2020. So a couple months ago, you know, purportedly included a very clear, uh, crystal clear. Uh, that was almost universally said by everybody when, when I said, hey, have you heard any new reports that came out? And they all went, the triangle? Um, very clear wow. imagery of a triangle with these three white lights, very, you know, you know, that one, you know, in the article, we included it in, in quotations because that's how somebody described it is cube like, um, when you zoom in, it's, you know, it's something like I, I um, uh, you know, and I don't dispute. I think a lot of people say it's a balloon. I think somebody's brought up like the good Batman balloons uh, scenario. It may very well be. And I think we covered that. We wanted to make sure that we're not saying what it is or isn't. But we are saying that was included in an intelligence report that was called an in encounter with an unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, I don't have all the data to say that. I also don't have the location. You know, they could be, you know, 500 miles off the, uh, you know, off the coastline for all I know. And so, you know, you have to wonder, well, good God, who was having their Batman bar, you know, were they having their Batman barbecue at, on a yacht out there? I, I don't know. I'm not a Mylar balloon expert. I'm just reporting on what was put there. I think some people got mad. MJ, God bless yeah. my love. He's the... Uh, I thought I was the feisty one, but MJ was was getting pretty fired up is because people were like, well, you need to put it out there that, it, you know, your your analysis. Think, no, I'm not. Is it's a balloon? No, no, I'm not going to editorialize. I'm going to tell you what the Intel report said. I'm going to ask a, a expert in atmospheric science who uses these things, what they think. As you see, we'll print it. I think it's a mylar balloon. You know, it looks like a mylar balloon. Cool. That's what he says. Here's what the Intel people say. I, I think you're exactly life. right. I think you're <laughs> exactly right the way you did it because expertise matters. And as journalists, we refer to experts. And as journalists, 
we are not experts in the majority of this stuff. We may be, uh, I may be somewhat of an expert on UFO reports or something because I know the history quite well, but I'm not a photo analyst. I'm not a physicist. Um, And in this case, we have very high level expertise in that it's the Navy that Mm -hmm. is telling us that this is what they've determined. And I think you had a great quote here. Like you said, you talked to some experts um, and uh, I love this quote because I, from one of them and and you can kind of elaborate if you want on, on who this was and everything, but in regards to the photo, while the image of the object is not clear, it certainly does not look like a drop spawn uh, or no, that's not the one I wanted to look at. Sorry. Uh, It's this one. Um, um, while they did not describe the photo as compelling, you know, the mm-hmm. people that you talked to, all three officials we spoke with seemed dismissive of the idea that it depicts a balloon. According mm-hmm. to these sources, the photo would not have been issued if there were reasonable estimates that the object was a balloon. Given the nature of the intelligence report in which it appeared, we don't we haven't seen that intelligence report. But here again, we have expert opinion saying, look, guys, the UAP task force would not have included this image if they thought at all it was a balloon. And I think that's really important and compelling information right there. No, I, I agree. And, and I mean, that's was universally what they said in, in even describing, um, you know, how these types of reports are produced in which they go through a series of channels and they go through a series of approvals. And, and it's not just, you know, the guy who puts a YouTube video up, you know, you know, the, the task force didn't dangle a peanut in front of a camera and then put it out. And so, uh, you know, that's their, you know, their, their analysis has gone in that at the same time. I don't, I'm not asking anybody to look at that and go, well, case calls themselves. It's, it's really something else. It's really aliens. It's really whatever. I'm not looking at anybody saying, you know, Oh, case closed. It's a balloon. I'm just putting out what that information is. You know, it is, as much as that I have available, unfortunately, and, and, you know, I did, push a little bit by saying was was there any more information that said why this wasn't a balloon or anything um you know and nothing was shared with me about that so i just know that this went out and everybody goes look i don't think you know this would be silly for a balloon report to go out but all saying no no but we agree with you it wasn't you know it didn't get everybody super excited but when the one came out more recently everybody went oh wow we don't know what that is. Um, and so, you know, it's just a very interesting, compelling thing. And I, I, um, there's a lot of savvy people in the UFO world, man. And I'll tell you that there's some great analysts. There's some great um, researchers. There's some great video uh, image analysts. I mean, that's why we kind of wanted to get it out as well. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know. There, there, there may be people that can analyze that altitude. You know, but that was one of the things that did I did examine was that the average height of an, a mylar balloon uh, based on the helium that, uh, you know, is about twenty five thousand feet. Um, you know, according to people, you know, I asked you know, when I asked them and that was in the first report, they said it was about 30 to thirty five thousand feet. And, and I mean, you can see in the, the larger 
image, you know, just kind of the curvature, the horizon, they're pretty high up there. Yeah, you, you see, they're pretty, you know, that would be consistent with what I would say at about 30, 35,000 feet. So this is a super mile balloon. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, John Lindy just mentioned, you know, that uh, it stayed static in that high altitude where, you know, winds can uh, exceed 100 miles per hour. Um, that adds mystery to what the heck this thing is. Well, that that was explicitly pointed out. We mentioned that article is, is that right. that was one of the things they said is that this was motionless as in it's not moving. Uh, I think. uh I've seen some people who, who took exception to that saying that, well, that's normal for a balloon. I'm thinking, I, okay, I, I've never, you know, here's the thing. And, and that's the thing that can at times be frustrating is because just like I can concede, I mean, I know what I know and I don't know and I don't know. And one thing that I've never done is I've never flown in a fighter jet at 35,000 feet or 30,000 feet. Mm -hmm. Really? I don't know. I don't know how many people <laughs> who comment on it have because you know when i hear people say well that's just ridiculous because you know a balloon would be doing that and i'm thinking okay but but you know let's i guess let's do the experiment like let's you know i think that would be cool maybe me and mick west can hop up in a dual seater fighter plane isn't he a pilot isn't mick a pilot Maybe. I don't know, but I you know that. the point is, and this is nothing against Mick at all. But no, I think no, people, I love Mick. <laughs> and I, I, I just uh, uh, here's a big problem though. And Mick, I've I've talked to him about this, but he doesn't answer me. Um, you know, as journalists, we defer to the experts. Mick is not an expert. He's an expert at software writing, mm -hmm. um, but he's not an expert at FLIR. Um, you know, I've talked to and, and written about comments from experts on FLIR. In fact, you know, these depot guys that take apart and rebuild the exact FLIRs that are on those jet fighters, um, and they have something different to say. So, I mean, we've got to go to the expert opinion. Um, and, you know, and, and it's uh, it's almost a little bit disingenuous. It's not uh, until we have the Navy's information, and that's the key sure. here. This is what the Navy believes. Um, mm -hmm. That will be the key. Now, if the Navy gives us their data and it turns out they're complete fools, which I highly doubt from, you know, the most impressive and highly technological and, and funded and largest Navy ever in history, um, you, which is the United States Navy, would get this wrong. But um, that's what you're contending with. Sure. Well, there's, and, and there's more photos of that object. You know, that I, you know, I've been told there's more photos of the object, you know, they, you know, <laughs> that's the thing is that I, you know, first of all, as an investigator, you already deduce that because how many times that are you driving along in your car, Alejandro, and you're like, got my phone ready at any going time, I'm uh -huh. going to start something, same thing with the fighter jet. So you, you can already deduce from what's going on there that they're circling the object. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, I've been told there, there's other photos there. So maybe there's other more compelling photos. Maybe they got closer. Um, I don't know. I mean, that hopefully, you know, that's one of the things that you mitigate, leaking it out, harm, good, what's going to happen. Um, but maybe this is one of those ones where it forces the hand, where we, we know that uh, the defense, national defense bill passes, the this whole UAP report passes. Maybe this is one that they go, you know, fine, let's explain why we this report was included why this photograph was included and why do we call it 
unidentified aerial phenomena. And, you know. Exactly. And that's why we can't stop. That's why you can't stop. That's why mm -hmm. I can't stop. SCU, <laughs> all of you guys out there, never mm -hmm. assume you're powerless because that is false. You do have power. You have agency. Ask the UAP task force. Ask Susan Go. Ask mm -hmm. your, uh, your local legislators because the Senate mm -hmm. really does have power to get information out, but they need to know how badly you want this information, that you want it, and we have to be persistent. My One of my favorite mottos, patience and persistence. We have to persistently ask for the information, and one day, I'm confident we will get it. You, you know, Alejandro, I, I can only <laughs> do so much, and that's why I went out of my way. And, and, you know, somebody was like, there's no way they're going to answer you. So just don't even, they're too busy right now. That's why I pushed the issue and wanted to get somebody from, from president-elect Biden's transition team on the record. And even though they didn't talk about UFOs, I, I hope that, I mean, that, that's incumbent on everybody to say when he takes office, January 20th at 12.01 PM <laughs> to reach back out to Susan Goff and say, Hey, we were told whatever, but push that issue. You know, that's when those politicians, so let's get them on the record. And, and, you know, they were, they said, they said exactly what I believe is true, uh, you know, which is the informed consent of the American people of what God's foreign policy and national defense. They can't make that when they're kept in the dark. And so you take that statement and say, this is why we elected you. This is why we, you know, wanted you here. Are you going to uphold that you know that's holding that standard but that's why i try to do those little little things that i can so that it gives people that ammo to go no sir you know you can't tell me that you promised you were going to inform us and, and push the envelope um mm -hmm. and i agree because that's you know just keep pushing and, and you know saying i i don't i want to responsibly believe it but like i said i, I don't need to know that that I don't need to know how the United States knows that North Korea's nuclear weapon systems are this, this, and this, or I really don't need to know what their nuclear weapon systems are. But I do know that's right. a threat, or I do know it's real. I do know that. I think that middle ground can be can be right. Given in I think definitely. So. You know, Chris Mellon said uh, nobody should bulk. None of those intelligence agencies should balk at creating a non-classified report that is publicly, uh, mm -hmm. you know, consumable because that was something he did on a regular basis was to four mm -hmm. senators say to intelligence community, hey, I want to talk on this. Give me uh, what I can say publicly on this matter. And they would do that. So it's, it is a regular process that they do something like that. Um, someone, another topic came up and we'll, we got to kind of wrap this up. Uh, but mm -hmm. there was Danny Silver printed something about where Susan Goff had said Kamala Harris, even though she was on the Senate Intelligence Committee, was not briefed um, mm -hmm. on this issue. So... Um, I would think, and do you know anything different? And that does give us room to say, hey, why didn't you attend those briefings? What do you think of the information? What have you heard about that information? Have you talked to Marco Rubio or Mark Warner, who were obviously impressed with what they saw? Uh, that allows us the ability to go ask those questions. Sure. Yeah, that was a, I, I know exactly the statement that you're talking about. That was such a weird statement. Um, and and I, because I saw the original kind of, response copy somebody forwarded it to me because they obviously and doing their due diligence good for them was asking her about my article like hey you got any comment to this and, and 
you know, she just said that the quotes by her were accurate. And other than that, I got nothing else to say. But then she did mention uh, that Kamala Harris hadn't been briefed. I thought it was such a weird comment because the DOD doesn't typically get into that. They're, they're, you know, there's a legislative and executive branches and they don't talk about what politicians do or don't do. Mm, good so point. I, I don't know why that happened. Um, and so, I, I mean, to me, I think there, that's a good opportunity for follow up. I would follow up with Kamala Harris's actual team because that's who knows. I, I don't maybe and maybe she does know. Maybe, you know, she checked with them. And that was just weird because I, I don't you know, that's not how the system works. So, you know, weird statement that she said they weren't, especially given that she's on the Senate Select Intelligence Committee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess. It, <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to be a smart ass. So it's fine. I was I just going to say, so. maybe, yeah, maybe Susan Goffs is, is not a, she, maybe it's partisan politics. Maybe she feels like, you know, it's going to be a change in public affairs, which it will be. We'll have a new undersecretary or assistant secretary for public affairs coming up soon. So, which was another interesting part of your article is that it demonstrated something we didn't know is has all this kind of rotating door that we've yeah. had with leadership in, in the DOD has had affected this issue. And, it, it has. It, it absolutely has. And, and um, yes, it absolutely has to the point where I think at certain point in time, the partisan politics that we have seen very much in the media uh, in other areas has influenced this topic down to, uh, you know, we, when we had Dana White, the first spokesperson who said what she said about ATIP and, and Elizondo and then that change. And um, I think that that's had a huge influence and hopefully some stability um, some some stability in some way, shape, or form will be good. Right. So uh, let me post. It is thedebrief.org. A couple people came in late and they're asking about uh, where to find all this stuff. Um, I guess, is there any future articles you want to plug? Anything coming up um, that you want to give us exclusive insight into? God, no. I am not hyping or briefing. <laughs> no, um, no, just, I mean, in general, just, you know, stay tuned. We, we, we have a lot of things that we want to do with the debrief, just in a lot of different ways, and a lot of different genres. And so, um, you know, in terms of the UAP subject or UFOs, sure, we're going to cover it. We're going to try to cover it responsibly. We're going to try to cover it when we feel like it's, it's, it's significant news wise. But outside of that, I hope people tune in. I mean, we will we'll cover a lot of really interesting topics that are in the science and technology world. Um, and down to some of the maybe what would be called more, you know, I would say go to Tyler Rogueway at the war zone because he's going to give you the, all the great stuff on the defense world and, and like how the how the thing works under the hood. Man, they're, they're experts at that. The reason we're called the debrief is because in, in some instances we're going to try to break it down and give you like a, the more bullet point uh, kind of uh, touch over. So maybe it's an issue that's interesting to you you want to hear just a little bit about it and, and go on from there so we will handle that in news i just say and we welcome feedback you know you, you can get in touch with us there because this is um you know we're early in the stages we want to grow we want to we want to put something out that people enjoy and so yeah uh, no specific articles i'm taking a sabbatical really well you guys launched with so many articles, it was really impressive. And I think that was smart to do that. So it looked like, you know, you had a, well, you had a lot of content. Um, so that's really cool. 
but way mm-hmm. to go. You know, you guys are, are already some of my favorite dudes and these are really cool topics. I'm, I'm glad that this project includes, you know, the gamut of, of topics that you are looking into. So mm-hmm. very excited for what you guys are doing. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking yeah, sure. to us right now. Cause I'm sure you're swamped with, with questions and people wanting to know more about uh, these articles. So uh, thank you again. No, no problem. It was a pleasure, Alejandro. (laughs) Thank you. All right. TheDebrief.org. Everybody check that out. I'll have more links. uh, I'll put in the show notes. If you haven't already, do please subscribe to the site and also join because you'll be able to watch this this video for a while, but eventually it will go into the uh, membership area. So just for a couple bucks, you get more Tim McMillan. I've interviewed him in the past. Uh, You know, we get Luis Elizondo, Chris Mellon, um, a lot of really great uh, interviews that you can check out there. So thank Thank you all so much for joining. Thank you so much, Tim. And uh, we'll see you all later.